text, our scriptural text for today, the fifth Sunday of Lent, comes from Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all round them. There were many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put my breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and there were sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he has commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from the graves, O my people. I will bring you back to the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves. O my people, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. Thus says the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. This passage that I've just shared out of the book of Ezekiel is known quite likely or quite simply as the Valley of the Dry Bones. This is a moment of vision that comes on the prophet Ezekiel, one that is important for them at the specific point in their history when Ezekiel was living and active. Now, I'm not going to give some funny little story or snippet to get into this sermon. I'm just going to give you a little bit of the history of what was going on when this happened to Ezekiel. Now, this happened right about the time of the beginning of a period in Israel's history known as the Babylonian captivity. If you're familiar with history, the nation of Israel was established under King Saul right about the year 1000 BCE, about 1,000 years before Jesus. About 40 years later, King David, things expanded. About 40 years after that, King Solomon, things expanded a little bit from there. And then immediately following King Solomon, the nation of Israel split into two different kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel, also sometimes called Samaria, and then the southern kingdom of Judah. Now this went on for a couple hundred years, and then the empire of Assyria came in and took over the northern kingdom. Fast forward about another hundred-ish ish odd years from there, and then we had the rise of the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonians had taken over the Assyrians, and they came in and invaded the southern kingdom of Judah. 
Now, this is right about the time when Ezekiel was active. Now, Ezekiel himself had been a priest working in the temple. He was pretty high up in the ranks in terms of the priest, so he's kind of an important guy. And when the Babylonians came in and took over the southern kingdom of Judah, they hauled all of the leaders, including Ezekiel, off into Babylon. They took them into exile, installed their own little government, or little public government with a new king there in, in Jerusalem. And that went on for about 10 more years. And with that, then this new leader rebelled against Babylon as well. And at that point, Babylon came in, they destroyed the city of Jerusalem, they destroyed the temple. And this was the first temple that had been built by Solomon several hundred years before that. They laid waste to the city and everyone else was carried off into exile. That's the background behind what's going on when Ezekiel makes this prophecy, when he has this vision. So not only have the people been utterly divided when the kingdoms divided a couple hundred years earlier. But they were also, now they've been taken over, they've been hauled off into exile. Many people have died and they're not in their home anymore. They're no longer in the promised land. They're no longer united as a culture. They're no longer united as a nation. The people are spread all over the place throughout the empire, including Ezekiel. That's the background. Their culture, their sense of being has been taken from them. And I think that's the imagery that is being utilized when Ezekiel has this vision of this valley full of bones. Now they're described as dry bones. And what does that mean? Well, the dry bones are indicating that there's no life left. And not only are they dry, but it's not just skeletons. The bones are scattered all over the place. They're not connected. They're just random bones here and there and here and there and here and there and here and there. This is what Ezekiel finds. This is what God brings Ezekiel to see and then says, I want you to prophesy to these bones. But first God asks the question, can these bones live? Now Ezekiel, he doesn't know. And he seems to indicate that when he says back to God, Lord, you know. He doesn't say it, but Ezekiel might as well be saying, I have no idea, God, but if you want them to live, then they'll live. And this is when now Ezekiel receives this command from God. Prophesy to the bones. Prophesy that they will come together. And as Ezekiel starts to do that, that's exactly what happens. He hears this great rattling as all the bones are like rattling around each other and they're starting to come back together. And then he looks again and as he continues to talk, they're connecting. We hear about sinews that are kind of connecting the skeletons back together. Then flesh comes upon them and then skin covers over them. So they are, they are whole beings again. They are whole bodies, but there's no life in them yet. Apparently at this point now, there's just bodies that are surrounding Ezekiel, but God's not done. And God tells him again, prophesy to the breath, prophesy to the wind, call the wind and the spirit and the breath to blow into them. Now, I love this idea, this, the breath, the wind, the, the, the spirit, because in the Hebrew language, all three of those ideas, it's the same word. Ruach, kind of a fun word, right? Ruach. God says, speak to the Ruach and command it to come upon the people. And Ezekiel does, and it happens. He hears the wind blow, and literally the wind or the spirit or the breath of God comes into these bodies, into these lifeless bodies, and life comes into them. Now think about that. Think about this idea of 
God somehow forming up a body, a lifeless body, creating it somehow, and then breathing life into it. Have we heard something like that before? I think we have. Think back to Genesis chapter 2, the second account of creation. God is making humanity, and God takes mud, dirt, forms it into the the mud creature, Adama, Adam. That's what it means. But it's lifeless. God has created it, and it's not until God breathes life into this mud creature that it becomes human. It becomes alive. It becomes the man, Adam. And let's take it one step farther. First we have Adam, and then some other things happen. And then God says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him an equal. And so God makes Adam fall asleep and takes out a rib, a bone, and forms Eve. God creates Eve literally out of a bone. Sounds kind of like this story, right? Like we've heard it before. And in both of those cases, there's the creature that's made. God somehow makes it. But it's not until God breathes life into it, breathes the spirit of God into it, breathes the wind of God, the ruach of God, that's when life comes. And we see both in this case of Ezekiel, as well as that other example of Genesis 2, that it's the spirit of God that brings life into something. Now think about what that means for us, that it's that same spirit of God that empowers us, that gives us life, that is the source of our life as well. Now, there's another point that I think is important as we consider this passage from Ezekiel. It happens in the later portion of like the last roughly third of it. God tells Ezekiel that these are not specifically individual people, although yes, they are bodies and they are individuals. But he says, this is the whole nation of Israel. And God makes a promise. I will not leave you in a place of death. I will not leave you in a place and a state of isolation and utter lifelessness. Think about those dry bones that are scattered all over the place. A person's body is scattered all over the place. They are in a place of ultimate death, ultimate isolation, and God promises, I will not leave you here. I will bring you back together, and you, the multitude, will have life again. And then God reminds us, this is the whole nation of Israel. Remember, this is happening during exile when they are scattered, when the people, when the culture, when the nation has been scattered and is no more, God promises, I will not leave you there. And that this is not the end. Now, this period of exile that I mentioned before, it lasted for about 60 years, and this is happening about 10 years into it. So there's about 50, roughly, 50 more years to go through before the people will come back together before the Persians come in and take out the Babylonians and allow them to return and to reestablish themselves. It does happen, but it's several decades down the road. And so we are reminded that when God makes a promise, that promise will come to fruition, just maybe not as fast or as soon as we hope it will. I think this whole thing is a word for us today. It's a good message for us today as we're still in this reality of being separated from one another of being distanced from one another, of our idea of being in community is utterly different than what we are used to. I believe the promise for us is the same as it was to Ezekiel and to the Israelites, that this is not the end, that there will come a time when you will be brought back together, when the community will stand once again, when you will return to that which you know. I think that's a good promise for us. And 
I actually saw evidence of this. They gave me just a little tiny bit of hope in the midst of all, all of the stuff that's going on. On Friday, early afternoon, I was walking between the church and over to the post office to get the mail, as I often do. Many of you have seen me out doing this in the past. And as I was walking, I saw a couple of ladies from our congregation. They were out for a walk as well. And they were on the other side of the street, and I kind of waved and I hollered to them. And for just a brief second, it lasted maybe five or six seconds, we had this little back and forth banter. And it was a joyful moment just to encounter each other from that distance. And then I walked a little bit farther along and I saw another one of our members in his truck driving by and we waved at each other. We had that connection. I was reminded even in this moment of distancing that community is still out there and that this is not the end. And even heaven forbid, if anyone from our community succumbs to this illness and when we gather again, they are no longer with us. The promise of God that we've been given through Jesus Christ is that not even death is the end. Can these bones live? You, Lord, know. And the Lord that made that promise has overcome death before. That's the promise for us now too. Even in these uncertain times, that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, death is not the end. This is not the end. Life will go on, empowered by that spirit of God, that breath of of God, the wind that blows wherever it will, that ruach of God. May we remember that in this time, and may we find solace in that. Amen.